When we think about change, when we think about innovation, when we think about work and life and moving, there is not any part that's not touched by digital, by technology. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, and welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. You know, if I could sing, I'd regale you with a little David Bowie right now. You know the song, Changes? Because that's what we're going to be talking about today, change. After all, this entire podcast is dedicated to change and breaking out of the status quo. It's been said that most people hate change and that change is hard, yet we are confronted with change constantly. As leaders, how do we help our teams and our stakeholders move through change? Today's guest is Vonda Page. Vonda is the founder of Radical Change, a company dedicated to helping IT leaders like you and me drive change. Welcome to Status Go, Vonda. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be uh, speaking with you today. I'm excited to talk about ch-ch-changes. See, there you go. I think it's great that you, that you sang that, Vonda. I don't. I just don't have the guts to do something like that. Plus, I'd be horrible, and all of our listeners would drop off. I would love to start with just a little bit about your background. I know a good mutual friend of ours, Amy Waniger. She's been on the program. She's the one that introduced us. But would really love to have you tell our listeners a bit about your background, and then we'll dive into radical change. Absolutely. So um, again, thank you. And I am excited to talk about my background because I think a lot of people would be surprised to learn that I have been a technologist since 1984, since my very first job where I paid taxes because, you know, we have other jobs, right? Babysitting and mowing the lawn and stuff like that. That's not the same. But my very first job where the United States government actually took taxes was in 1984. And I got hired to work at an auto tag company. So um, for those people who may not be familiar with an auto tag company, think today's FedEx, DMV, insurance company, and office all like together. And it was my job after my very first day to go in and implement a fax machine. So for those people who have never used a fax machine before, um, a fax machine was used to send documents electronically. So if you think of it as like pre-email, post-snail mail. So this auto tech company, what they did was they handled people's registrations. They sent um, certified letters for people, help people get driver's license, car insurance, and that type of thing. Well, when I joined, they had just gotten a fax machine and they wanted me to implement the fax machine. So what that meant was I had to take the big book home, the big fat user manual. I had to study it. I had to understand it. Then I had to understand the business processes that the office used and then figure out how to implement the fax machine. Well, other than that uh, super traumatic 
sound of the fax machine, right, with transmissions going through, <laughs> it was a really good experience because what I got the opportunity to do was, number one, um, learn how to work um, in an environment and in a system where they already have processes and systems set up. Mm-hmm. Number two, implement a new piece of technology, right, a new tool, a new piece of equipment, and then three, integrate that equipment into the business processes. So as you can imagine, um, you know, the two women that had been working there for for years before I got there, right, they were used to doing things the snail mail way, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody comes in, you fill out a piece of paper. We used to do like mimeograph paper where, you know, it'd be the blue sheets in between, yep. right? Yep. And it'd be a pink piece and then a blue sheet and then a yellow piece and then a blue sheet, right? So used to doing all these manual processes. Well, when you get a new piece of technology, that is a change to the process. So my very mm-hmm. first role involved helping to first understand how they were currently working, understand the intentions and the purpose of the new equipment, and then three, integrate those so that we could use that as part of how we run the business. And so what I was able to do, not only to streamline how we were you know, sending faxes, I was able to help uh, Mr. Parker to serve more customers, Faster, Mm -hmm. right? Because as we got more familiar with the fax machine and really built that into, you know, contacting the different agencies and working with the different clients and then training clients and customers how to use the fax machine, that was really the beginning of my change career. So from there, every job I had in high school, in college, in graduate school, I always stayed in technology, helping organizations and teams on board and adopt new technology and then integrate mm-hmm. all of those processes that go with it. So now, 37 years later, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. And then last year, I decided to start my own company so that I can really focus with uh, numerous IT leaders, helping mm-hmm. them to understand how to drive change in their organizations. Because you went from the the beginnings of working with a fax machine and implementing change there. Before you launched your company, you were doing change on a much larger scale. Was it still uh, related to technology? Yes. So all of my roles I've had have always been within the technology organization. But like a lot of large companies, right, you have your technology group as the service to Mm -hmm. the rest of the organization. So even though I may be working on the technology end, whether we're talking about, you know, enterprise resource systems or updating cybersecurity protocols or communicating to people around um, different data privacy concerns, there's always been that tie-in with technology to the business, because actually tech is everything, right? And really, what can we run? What team or department in any organization, institution, can we run without technology? And so the difference in those larger organizations are you have strategies and roadmaps that tie to particular goals and functions, whether you're talking about Nike or Dow or anywhere I've ever worked, Mm -hmm. right? It's all the same. And it's just really different in terms of how each individual company thinks through their technology and whether it's led through the technology org or through the different arms or verticals of the business. Well, let's start talking 
about change. And I want to start with a couple of maybe some definitions because Vonda, I know I've done some reading of some of the things that you've put out on uh, social media, as well as our prior conversations. And you talk about digital change and radical change. Could you give us an idea of, let's start with digital change. What Describe that to our audience. Yeah. So I love talking about digital change because one of the main things for people to understand is that we are in a digital age and this digital age is never going to be reversed. And so when we think about change, when we think about innovation, when we think about work and life and moving, there is not any part that's not touched by digital, by technology, right? Even if you think about some of the uh, less technical type of jobs, for example, like landscaping. And I think of that one because I had to switch landscapers recently. And (laughs) so when I saw the landscapers doing my neighbors, I ran outside and they have All of this equipment, right, that tells them, because I live in Oregon, and so, you know, it rains, um, this is our rainy, this is our winter, basically, right? So pretty Mm -hmm. much now rains from November to about February, all the time. But in order for them to keep up with the work that they need to do, they have to rely on a lot of uh, digital technology, including the weather and barometer and all these other things, right, to do their work. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to help people grasp that change is digital because there isn't anything that we're doing or that we're engaged in that's not touched, impacted by, or a part of some digital ecosystem, some technical Mm -hmm. ecosystem. And so when we think about change, we not only have to think about it from the standpoint of how it impacts individual people, but within how technology interacts and how they interact with it. So because I've been a technologist my entire career and I've worked with highly, highly technical, you know, architects and engineers and different people, what I've found is over the years and over time, what happens is people get so focused in on the technology and how it works that they Mm -hmm. forget the impact on people. So I believe that you have to put the two together. You have to put digital and change together. So we we all know the industry buzzword of digital transformation. Is digital change the same thing as digital transformation or is it a part of digital transformation? So I think the way to think about it and how I like to help people understand it is like this. The, The term digital transformation is being used in a couple of ways. And I think it's, if you think of it as a bigger ball of a term. So when Mm -hmm. I talk about digital transformation under it, I use three categories. The first category is what I call transition management. So that's when an organization, a team, or its people need to manage some sort of transition. Now, Mm -hmm. any transition in an organization is going to have a technical component. You can't move to a new department or take on a new project or do anything without technology. So that's one piece, right, is the transition management. The second piece I call organizational change. Organizational change 
or you may have heard um, the acronym OCM before, Organizational mm-hmm. Change Management. I'm sure you probably heard people right, say that, right. right? Organizational change management is where you're looking at the impact of change on the organization, right? Mm-hmm. But not necessarily planning out the digital components. So mm-hmm. the third piece of digital transformation, I call technology adoption. So technology adoption is where you work with a group team organization or individual to help them adopt or implement a new type of technology. Now, mm-hmm. when people are talking about digital transformation these days, a lot of times what they're talking about is also that transformation to a digital workplace. And mm-hmm. so that digital workplace conversation within the digital transformation construct is about organizations making that transition to hybrid or 100% work in a Mm -hmm. fuller way. Because when the pandemic happened, right? Okay, a lot of offices and companies, especially big ones, had to shut down, say, okay, everybody go home and work. Okay, we did that. But the entire world wasn't ready, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Even in the United States, right? We were not ready to send 200 million people to work from their computers at home. We weren't set up for that. And so what that has caused is now it has caused companies to actually really have to look at their digital transformation strategy. And so within Mm -hmm. that digital transformation strategy are those pieces that I'm talking to you about, right? Transition, organizational change, and technology adoption. So they really fit into one ball, right? Or one, you know, one Mm -hmm. segment of stuff, but that's what that work is about. So you also talk about radical change. Yes. In fact, it's the name of your company, yes. Radical Change. What is radical change? And again, is it the same thing as digital change or is it bigger, broader than that? So I love talking about um, radical change. And, and one of the things that comes to mind first and foremost is the word radical. I bet if you ask most people what they think the definition of the word radical is, they might think, oh, out of this world, it is something amazing. It is something that is like off the beaten path, out of the chart. That is not Mm -hmm. true. The word radical comes from the Latin word rooted or being rooted. And it's really around thoroughness and completeness. So what I believe is that in order for change to occur, you have to get to the root of the issues and the root of the problems in order to drive change. And it's funny because I always have, you know, in every work um, environment, every academic environment, like, you know, undergrad and college and, and being in groups and people always, you know, would say that I'm very detailed or I ask a lot of questions because for me, the more questions I can ask and the more I can understand, it's much easier, right, to uncover what potential mm-hmm. solutions are, especially because I've been doing this work for like years and years. And it wasn't yeah. until I would say maybe 2019 or so when I was really trying to put together and thinking how I want to brand my own company and, and what I'm doing, you know, as I'm as doing my own thing. And I thought it's radical change because I get to the crux 
of the matter because mm-hmm. I dig deep. I'm thorough and I'm complete. And I know that was annoying for a lot of people <laughs> over the years <laughs> as I think about it. I mean, I can remember, I, I just had a vision. I was remembering when I worked in the utility business and we were getting ready to implement smart meter technology, right? And we were doing mm-hmm. it in, in small sections. It wasn't like, you know, we were going to do the whole city at one time or something, right? And I remember asking some deep questions about how the current meters, the meters were being read manually, right? So I could really understand what that change is between a manual reading of an electric meter and what the smart meter is going to look like. And I remember one of my colleagues, JB, he said, man, you sure ask a lot of questions, but they're good (laughs) questions because this is what you need to know. And so when I think radical change, Think of it from that standpoint, right? Is it's rooted in completeness and trying to be thorough to understand because you 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 don't know where you're going if you don't know where you have been, right? And definitely yeah, where you are true, right now. True. Yeah. So you've also developed, uh, I, I think you call it a digital change leadership model that you use with uh, your company, Radical Change. Can you talk us through what that digital change leadership model is? What's the overall framework behind it? Yes, I would love to. So I was a communications major, undergraduate and graduate, and I really am fascinated and I love communication. I love words. I love alliterations. And so I always try to relate things to to something and give it a structure to help people understand. So when I was coming Mm -hmm. up with um, looking, trying to get my domain and everything for my business, I couldn't find... Uh, radical change just by itself, right? Because somebody had already purchased that obviously years ago. And so I was trying to think of, okay, how can I put my framework about what I'm doing as part of it? So um, I was talking to one of my advisors, I think, and we said, you know what, I'll call it Radical Change LLC because LLC, Lead, Learn, Change is my framework. So what I believe is that you have to learn lead Mm -hmm. and change. So LLC. So the first piece around learning that in my view is all about understanding who you are, because I think if you're going to lead people to do a job of any type, whether it's a project, you know, or something long term, it's really important to get to know yourself in the context in the beginning. So I came up with an acronym that I like to use for learn that I think helps people kind of start to set that Uh, set that process in motion. So I say that you want to learn your own individual bias. And I use bias Mm -hmm. as an acronym for your beliefs, your intentions, your attitudes, and your self-view. Because we all um, grow up with a certain set of beliefs, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have a family, Mm -hmm. we have a school, we have a community, maybe we have a church or a synagogue or a mosque that we go to, we have teams, and we have friends. So we grow up with a certain Uh, with certain beliefs. Now, Mm -hmm. as we get older, we can re-examine those beliefs and and we might find, oh, maybe those beliefs don't necessarily align with how I want to work, how I want to live or whatever. Perfect example. Maybe you grew up thinking that it was okay to eat Captain Crunch cereal for breakfast you know, 10 bowls. That's my favorite. Right, right, right. But then you went to the doctor because you were over 40 and the doctor said, what you eating for breakfast, man? (laughs) And and you said, I'm I'm eating two bowls of Captain Crunch every day. And they said, well, no, I think you might want to switch that up. So it's kind of like when you learn better, you do better. Right. So if we understand our beliefs and how they came about, 
that helps us to understand our intentions because every day we go about intending stuff, right? We go about intending to do a good job, being kind people, you know, trying not to make the environment worse or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have attitudes that we hold on to based on our experiences, based on our beliefs, based on things we learn. It's important to understand those. But most importantly, I think that when you understand and you have a view of yourself that you are clear on, it helps you mm-hmm. when you are relating to other people in the world. So I always you know, try to help people go through a series of questions and steps to just think about some of those things based on a particular challenge that they might be having right at work. So the second part of the framework is the lead framework. And I believe that leaders need three key characteristics on top of being a learner. So that would be authenticity, curiosity, and empathy. And when I think about authenticity, right, I don't think about it from the standpoint of say anything and do whatever. It's more like if you're in touch with who you are, then you can be authentic in your communications and you can be authentic Mm -hmm. in how you relate to people. So like like here I am today. I have on my Delaware sweatshirt. This is me. I'm cold. It's raining. Right. (laughs) And this is it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to put on a suit and be be super fancy and try to be something different. The second part is curiosity. And that goes back to what I was saying about me asking a bunch of questions and trying to get to the root of things. Being curious. When you're curious about other people, it really helps to connect. And it really helps you as you're thinking about how to drive or lead change. So that curiosity, right? And sharing curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think one of the best things is learning about people. And so that brings you together. And then that ties right into empathy. Because if you're curious about people, if you're being authentic, then those interactions that you have are going to help pull out that empathy. Because you see that person as a human being, that person sees you as a human being. You are me, I am you, right? We, we're we the same, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all part of the human being family. But I think what happens in business, whether you're talking academic, high tech or whatever, we get busy, Jeff. Like we are busy, yeah. right? you like, oh, I got this many things that were supposed to be done last week. This was supposed to be last quarter. I got to hire people. I've got to look at the budget. It's time to do performance reviews. We got a forecast for next year, right? So- you lose, I think, the ability and the opportunity to be authentic, curious, um, and empathetic because we're so busy running, focusing on trying mm-hmm. to get things done. But then that third piece, the change, that is where it all comes together. So, right, you, you, you understand and learn about who you are. Then you have those leadership characteristics ready. But then that that third piece is around change. And I think that change is driven through what I call seven certainties. And those seven mm-hmm. certainties are factors that as an organizational leader, um, organizational participant, you can help to put those in place. So that first one, and I think you and I may have talked about it before, is all around culture. And so yeah. sometimes yeah. I think companies um, and leaders, you think about culture as you know something that just emerges and happens, but the best cultures are really built and grown. Yeah. So you have culture, The culture really needs to be one of collaboration where people Mm -hmm. are on the same page. So when you have the culture, 
and and as a leader, you are building that culture and you're putting things in place to support the type of culture you want. The other thing that comes after that is that coalition of people that are going to help you to drive the change, right? Because no mm-hmm. change, big change is going to happen alone. And even small changes, even if we go back to the one about like changing your diet. Now, fortunately for me, I live at home uh, alone with a dog. So that means I buy all my groceries myself. I pack all my cabinets with the stuff I want in them. But if I lived in a family with five people and I had three little kids, it would be much harder, right, to try to yes. stick to certain types of diet when you have little little kids at home. So mm-hmm. the coalition of people that were, would be trying to help me, right, if I was on some kind of, uh, you know, nutrition change, the more people you have that are supporting and helping you, the more successful you're going to be. Yeah. That third piece, I call it capacity. That's all around having the time and space and resources to get the work done. That fourth piece is about the competence and do you actually have the skills and abilities to drive the change and putting those in place. That fifth piece is really conviction because if you have the culture, the capacity, the competency, right, and the coalition of people, you say, hey, I have what I need now. You add some courage in there, right, for yourself and say, okay, we're going to make up our mind and get it done. And then that's your seventh one. And that is the commitment. Because you know sometimes how we start off saying, okay, I'm a, I'm a change. Um, I'm a change my sleeping schedule. I'm going to change my eating habits. But you got to put that commitment in. And the commitment means yeah. you're diving in with two feet. So those are the three, the, the framework and how I, you know, like to help people understand it. It's learn, lead, change. Learn through mm-hmm. uh, learning your bias. You lead through authenticity, curiosity, and empathy. And then change is more certain when you use those seven C's. Yeah, I love those seven C's. Uh, and I've noticed a couple of times you love those word games, right? Where uh, it helps you remember them. So the seven C's, the, the one that jumped out at me is conviction. Because I think a lot of times that's what gets in our way. We don't have that when we're trying to make a change. And uh, I, I think if we understand that that's a requirement, we can, and I'm sure you work with your clients to help them build those seven C's in themselves and in their teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the one conviction too, because I don't know how many people are are hockey fans, but the winner always makes me think of hockey more because it's hockey season. But mm-hmm. one of my favorite hockey players was the great one, right? And um, Wayne Gretzky. Um, and yep. he has a quote where he says that he never, he doesn't skate to where the puck is. He skates to where the puck is going. So when yes. I think like commitment, like I'm thinking, I, I can like literally picture Wayne Gretzky back in the day, making, you know, being convicted. And he's like, no, I know the puck is going over here. I see it. But but being convicted and undaunted, right, in in Mm -hmm. what you know. So I think about it. I always tell people I had a conversation uh, yesterday with a client. I was saying, you know how we talk about the go and no go decision. That's where I want you to think about conviction. So you put go and no go right here. This is conviction. So if you're not going, you'll be convicted that, hey, we're not going. We're not going to do this. We need to wait till January. We need to wait until whatever, whatever. But it's making that decision and then taking those steps 
in that convicted state to finish driving it. But once you're convicted, yeah. that's yeah. why you, that courage has to kick in, right? Because you, when it gets hard, when it gets challenging, when people say, oh, no, why are we doing it? You, hey, no, this is why. But you've already done the yeah. due diligence, and so you should be good. I'd like to talk about uh, another thing that you're involved in uh, before we wrap up, because I think it's also an important part of your work, and I think our listeners would enjoy hearing about. Talk to me about living corporate. What is that, and what's involved in living corporate? So living corporate is a television and media network. It's a media network, a digital media network. It was founded by Zach Nunn uh, a few years ago. And the whole point of Living Corporate is to amplify black and brown professionals' experiences and to talk Mm -hmm. about those things where black and brown professionals are experiencing, right? Because we know that black and brown people's experience at work is different. Um, We know, Mm -hmm. for example, that there are only 6% of black women in America. So, of course, my experience working in corporate America or working in technology is going to be different if I'm in the 6% versus if I'm in the 70 the 70th percent. And so uh, Living Corporate has a ton of different web shows and podcasts where we talk about different things. And Mm -hmm. I have two shows, one that I kicked off in August of this year and the other I kicked off in September. The first one is called uh, The Group Chat Radical Change with Vonda Page. And on that one, Jeff, what we do is I focus on talking to people who are out here in these streets, as I like to say, trying to drive Mm -hmm. change, right? Trying to talk about the root of these issues, but who are actually making steps, who who have companies or consultancies or projects or nonprofits or books where they are Mm -hmm. trying to drive radical change. So I've been fortunate enough to have on authors. I have some more authors coming on. Uh, race equity theorists, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion experts, and all sorts of people. And so the idea is to bring these conversations right out to the forefront so that other people Mm -hmm. can understand what are the experiences that black and brown people are having. Because these aren't necessarily things that people are going to sit around and talk about at work, right? That's one show. The second show is also like a group chat show, but that show is called Radical Power. And on that show, what I'm doing is actually talking with different people. Right now, I have um, a friend and colleague, Sana Akon. And in this series of Radical Power, Jeff, we're talking about the power that you have individually as a worker, as a black or brown woman in tech to Mm -hmm. design your career your way. So you could work for any of the big companies, right? And still have what you want to accomplish and you can still do that. But I think what happens often is I think women are faced with choices. You can be a a, a good mom or you could be a good worker, right? You could be an entrepreneur or you could be a good employee. You could be this or you could be that. But what we're talking about in radical power is the root of power, right, is, is in mm-hmm. within the self. And there are games that we all have to play and, and maneuvers and things we all have to make, but really helping people understand that you have power even though you don't mm-hmm. think you you do. And so it's really important to share that. I like to have people 
bring in their questions and thoughts. And, you know, what I'm finding is that I'm gaining listeners and gaining momentum. The shows have been uh, adapted to podcast format. So then that means now more people can listen to them. And the idea is to, like I said, help people really feel that they can drive change, whether they're talking about systemic and structural or whether they're talking about in their personal life. I love that. And and I want to be sure we'll make note and uh, add a link in the show notes uh, to those programs, because I know a lot of our listeners will want to, will want to listen to the conversation and, and many of them may want to join in the conversation. Uh, and I think that would be a great way for them to do that. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Vonda, our time has flown by. And before we, before we wrap, I always like to end with a real strong call to action for our listeners. So after listening to you and I talk today about radical change, about digital change, what's one or two things our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to us today? Well, I think first and foremost, your listeners should follow me at VondaPage03 on LinkedIn or on my business, my company, which is Radical Change. I think secondly, they should download the Living Corporate app um, and mm-hmm. so that they can be first to know about when these new shows are coming out. And then I think thirdly, as they're thinking about just going about their everyday, their everyday lives, right? maybe do just a little reflection and think about change from their lives, right? Is there something that mm-hmm. they want to do different? Something that they want to see differently? Something that that maybe they're not feeling like they're getting the most out of and something needs to be different. I believe that radical change, root, the root of change um, lies in all of us, right? And so it's just a matter yeah. of understanding that in a better context and, and just thinking about change in a positive way, right? Because it's inevitable and you can basically either lead change or you can let it drag you around by the neck. And I think people should lead change. (laughs) That's what I think. I love that. The picture of that is just, uh, is great. And I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, as I, as I mentioned in the introduction, people fear change. They think change is hard. But really, as humans, it's, it's in our root. It's part of who we are. And I think that's the, the message that I'm taking away from our conversation today. Vonda, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Status Go. I've enjoyed the conversation. I've enjoyed getting to know you. Uh, and I look forward to future conversations with you because I know we're going we're gonna to stay connected and, and uh, keep up on what each other us are doing. So thank you so much, Vonda. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Jeff. Take care. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and we'll be sure to include links to radical change and radical power, uh, as well as to Vonda's website and uh, her LinkedIn profile. We'll also provide contact information This is Jeff Tan for Vonda Page. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.